0: sweet girls. I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the All That To Say podcast. You have no idea what it means to me that you even listen. Um, If you know me at all, you know that my heart is to help encourage as many women as I possibly can to move forward in their healing um, with the help and hope of God. And you could play a really big part of that If the episode you're about to listen to, or if any of the episodes of this podcast have helped you, encouraged you, meant anything to you, you could really help me to reach more women in a really simple way. You can review this episode. You can rate it by clicking on the stars. You can subscribe to it, or you could share it with a friend or on Facebook. All of those would make such a difference in helping me reach more women with the hope and healing of Jesus. Thank you. Hey, sweet ones, welcome back to the All That To Say podcast with me, your host, Elizabeth Klein. On this podcast, we talk about the hard stuff. A, because I've been through a lot of it. B, because most of you have too. And C, because I believe that we have a God who wants us to live in the truth. Today, we're going to be talking about some lies that we can tend to believe, especially if we've been through any kind of a hard time, along with some capital T truths to counteract those lies. No matter your situation, hard marriage, divorced, no marriage, good marriage, but other life messes, or you're sick, or you're unemployed, or you're exhausted from trying so hard for so long, or you're depressed, or your childhood was just too difficult, you've been through big T or little T traumas or any manner of hard thing, I think it's important that each one of us settles the question deep in our souls, who am I? Who am I in my hard marriage? Who am I now that my husband has left me? Who am I now that I lost my job? Who am I now that my kids have left for college? Who am I now that my mom has died? Who am I now that my friend betrayed me? Who am I now that I have cancer? when i am in depression etc cetera, etc cetera, who am i so i'm going to walk us through a few labels that we or our lowercase enemies or our capital e enemy try to place on us and then we're going to refute each lie with capital t truth lie number 1 i am a failure I believed for a very, very long time that I was a failure because I couldn't change or heal my marriage on my own because my then husband and I argued all the time because I had a problem with anger and because he had an addiction, which he claimed was a barometer of our relationship as in, I drink more when we're not getting along, which translated to it being my fault. I felt like I was a failure of a wife every day of my first marriage. I lived carrying around the title bad wife with me everywhere I went. And though it didn't stop me from serving, it definitely stopped me from serving in full confidence as I always thought in the back of my head, who am I to lead or speak or write when I can't even handle being a wife? I can't even be a wife. And in fact, it wasn't until pretty recently that I realized I wasn't perhaps a good wife for my first husband, but that didn't mean I was destined to be a bad wife to any other person. And I've, I've had to learn time and time again that his choices were not my fault, that no one else's choices are my fault or my responsibility. So truth number one is I am accepted. So here's the truth for me. I tried very hard to fix and save my first marriage. In fact, I tried everything I could think of to save my marriage, and I did everything I was told to do to try to save my marriage. I probably worked harder at my marriage than I did at my faith walk, my mothering, my writing, my speaking, my friendships, or my job. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just stating my reality looking back. I did not fail at being a wife. But even if I could not say those things, and even if you cannot say those things, even if you have failed hugely at something or some things, here is the universal truth. We are human and we are accepted. Ephesians 1.6 says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. God says to us through his son that we are enough. You are enough. God says to us through his son that when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God says to us that we are accepted just as we are right now in our pain, in our mess, in our failures. Yes, we fail at things, but that does not make us failures. Glennon Melton says, life isn't hard because you're doing it wrong. Life is just hard. You are not a failure at life. You are accepted. Lie number two, I am unforgiven. I had the mistaken notion for many, many years, even though I didn't have a verse to back it up, that divorce was the unforgivable sin. I took this belief so far that I actually prayed more times than I know for Jesus to end my life because I couldn't see a way out of my marriage pain because I knew I shouldn't and or couldn't get a divorce. To be clear, I'm not saying I was suicidal, but I am saying that's how desperate I was to escape the daily, continual pain of my marriage. And then I found myself one day, about 11 plus years ago, filing for legal separation. Even though I was released from my church leadership to do this, it it was scandalous. I felt wrong. Um, I felt surely that I was about to fall out of favor with God, even though I felt him lead me to that point every step of the way. And then three months after that, I was served divorce papers. And then on July 18th, 2012, I was divorced. I was divorced. The thing that I had so feared almost my entire life as a child of divorce had actually happened. Could I be forgiven for allowing it to go that far? allowing it to happen. Truth number two, I am forgiven. Newsflash ladies, there's only one unforgivable sin and it's not divorce or anything else you have done. It's blaspheming and forsaking the Holy Spirit. First John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So sweet girl, whether you initiated your divorce or not, whether you betrayed someone or were betrayed, whether you lied about something or were lied to, I have one simple question for you. Have you confessed your sin? Have you confessed your part in the path that led you to where you are today? If you have, you are forgiven. Bottom line. Your sin, no matter how great in your eyes, was killed on the cross. Jesus said, it is finished. And when he said that, he meant your sin was paid for. Your sin, no matter what it was. Women tend to beat ourselves up, to be cruel to ourselves, to punish ourselves for our mistakes and failings and sin. But sweet ones, do you realize that if you hold on to your sin, you are basically audaciously telling Christ that what he did for you on the cross just wasn't enough. That salvation and forgiveness really entail the cross plus beating yourself up for the rest of your life. Are you going to choose to believe that he paid the full penalty for you or aren't you? It is finished. If you have confessed, you are forgiven. Lie number three, I am unpursued. Many, many years ago, while still in my first marriage, I was watching an interview on TV being done with a Christian celebrity, quote unquote, who I had loved for many years. And this person was being interviewed and she was asked something about her remarriage and she was talking about her new husband and almost in passing, she said, I am a well-loved woman. Now, I remember that moment to this day because I fell over on my couch in sobs. I just sobbed. I didn't even know what that would look like to be a well-loved woman. I just knew that I wanted it, that I'd always wanted it. And I knew instantly in a guttural way that I didn't have that. And I more than likely never would. That I was not a humanly well-loved woman I was not a woman who was pursued. Not only did I have no man who would chase me down to marry me or who daily wooed me at that time, I was being hurt on a regular basis. And it was leaving gaping wounds in my heart. But truth number three, I am pursued. Within days of that interview, I was in my car. I had heard a song on the radio that I had never heard before, which was kind of weird because it was actually a pretty old song. And it was called Receive. The lyrics are simple and clear. I receive your everlasting love for me. There's nothing I can say, nothing I can do to take your love away. I receive your love for me. I receive your love for me. And again, just days later, I found myself crying. But this time it was because I felt God telling me that he was pursuing me. He knew my deep need. He sung over me. He promises in scripture that he lures us, that he would woo us, that he always had been and actively would be pursuing me. Zephaniah 317 says, for the Lord, your God is living among you and he is mighty to save. He will take delight in you and with his love, he will calm all your fears, and he will rejoice over you with singing. And Hosea 2:14 says, Therefore, I am now going to allure her, I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. Ladies, we belong to a pursuing God, a God who is so gentle with our broken hearts, a God who moves even closer to us in our pain, a God who pursues us so powerfully. He could only do so by sending his son all the way from heaven to earth for each one of us we may not always feel it and i get that but we are pursued you are pursued lie number four i am done i am benched i am unusable for god's kingdom this was one of my biggest fears and sadly one of my hardest pillows pillows pills to swallow because it actually came to pass in a couple key areas of my life. As a proactive step at the beginning of my separation, I stepped down from leading the AIDS task force at my church that I had started 18 years prior, and it was heartbreaking for me, but I knew I needed time to heal. Unfortunately, frankly, also, I stepped down more so so that they couldn't do it to me sort of like, I'll quit before you can fire me kind of thing. I also lost a couple speaking engagements after I announced my separation, even one for a simple Christmas talk at my own church, which made me feel like as a divorcing woman, I couldn't even celebrate the birth of Christ without being scandalous. And I was told I couldn't house, how gosh, I couldn't host something in my home that was church related because my situation was quote unquote too fresh as if my divorce would rub off on people. So I tangibly felt the repercussions of my divorce in my life and in my ministry. I was benched. I was told I couldn't do certain things that a still married person could do. Ironically, a still married in a horrible marriage. Person could have done the things that I was doing. This was devastating to me. And yet, truth number four, I am gifted. Now, even though those things were not handled well, and even though they weren't phrased in a way that made me feel taken care of and protected and that my healing was their utmost concern. In fact, I was made to feel like other people had to be protected from me. God did use me during my separation. And God did use me as I was getting divorced. And God is using me now post-divorce. I simply at first found other things to do with people who gladly took me in and let me use my gifts. For instance, I volunteered to be a homework buddy to a third grade boy at my kids' school. I reached out to a friend at the homeless shelter in town who I had served with on and off over the previous decade or so. I asked her if there were anything that I could do for her. Clean, answer phones, organize, anything. I told her what was going on in my life. And she said, no, 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 no. And at first I thought, okay, there's another, (laughs) there's another no. I'm being benched here too. You know what though? Instead, she asked me to teach a class on relationships in the middle of my divorce to the women at her sweet women's shelter. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago that we should walk in them. Do you understand what this verse means? This verse is freedom. This verse is empowerment. God is saying that he created specific you, that he thought you up, that you are his work of art, his masterpiece, that he has made you new in Christ so that You can do the good works that he planned for you before time began. He has set good things aside for you to do that only you can do, even as a woman in a painful marriage, even as a separated woman, even as a divorced woman, even as a widow, even after failure, even after sin, even in your pain. Yes, we need time to heal. Of course, if you have or are going through any kind of loss, do not rush through the grieving and the healing process. But even in our season of pain and grieving and healing, there are things we can be doing for someone else, things we can be doing for God. You can write a note. You can say a prayer. You can watch someone's child for an hour. You can read a book to someone in a nursing home. You can serve a meal at a homeless shelter. You can bring a casserole to a new mom or hold her baby while she takes a shower. I'm not saying pack your schedule full with a thousand things, but I am saying you still have something to offer. You have been gifted. God still fully intends to use you. You are not done. You are not benched. You are not unusable for God's kingdom. God has gifted you. God numbers our days. So if you woke up today, if you still have breath in your lungs, he has something for you to do today. You are gifted. Lie number five, I am abandoned and alone. Hands down, this was my biggest fear walking out of my marriage, the idea that I had been abandoned and that I could possibly be alone for the rest of my life. It was my fear of lifelong aloneness that had driven me to get married in the first place when I was 22. And then here I found myself again, though older and with some wrinkles and a lot of baggage and two teenagers. I looked around my little world and realized that for the most part, all of my friends were married and then there was me. At that point in my life, I did not know my relational fate. I had no idea if God planned to bless me with another chance at marriage and a lifelong partner. So that meant that there was a very real chance that I might live alone, humanly speaking, for the rest of my life. And I needed to grapple with that. And I had to learn to live with that. And I had to learn to be content with that. But truth number five, I am seen our truth for some of us is that we may be alone. However, we are never actually alone, even in our aloneness, even in our loneliness. God is always with us. Hebrews 13:5, God has said, I will never leave you, I will never abandon you. Do we understand this? I think that sometimes we can tend to forget that he is with us right now. He is presently seeing us right this moment. He sees us every moment. He is the shade at your right hand right now, right next to you in this instant. When you are driving in your car alone, he is with you. When you are looking at your checkbook and wondering how you're going to pay for groceries, he is with you. When you are in a battle with your toddler or your teenager, or you're exhausted from parenting alone, he is there with you. When you are missing your spouse or just missing marriage or missing sex or missing companionship, he is with you. When you walk into church, he is there with you. When you walk into a family gathering, he is with you. When you fall asleep at night, maybe crying because of how lonely you are, he is right there with you, seeing you, knowing your heart, counting your tears. There's a story in the Bible of a couple, Abraham and Sarah, who could not have children of their own. So Sarah had the idea of giving her servant Hagar to Abraham and she became pregnant. But then Sarah was jealous and treated hagar poorly and hagar fled into the desert talk about feeling abandoned and alone but god found her there and spoke to her and reassured her that he would take care of her and genesis 16:3 says so hagar called the name of the lord who spoke to her you are a god of seeing for she said truly here i have seen him who looks after me you may feel alone, and I truly, deeply understand that. You may humanly be alone, but you have never been and will never really be actually alone. You may have been humanly forsaken, but you are absolutely not abandoned. We are seen. We are look after. God has not abandoned you. God is with you, and the God who sees is faithful. You are not abandoned. Lie number six, I am unloved. When I was a little girl, I believed in God and I believe that Jesus was his son. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world. I just grew up knowing those things to be true. I'm not even really sure how, because we didn't really attend church all that regularly, but I knew. But when I was 15, someone told me that I had most of the story right, except for one key factor. I didn't realize as the goody two-shoes that I was that Jesus had died for my specific sin and that Jesus didn't just love the great big world, but that Jesus really did love me, specific me. Some of you listening, you know, some of you listening, you may believe in god you may believe that jesus died on the cross but you may have not entered in to a relationship with him some of you are in a lot of pain and though time can bring some dulling of the pain and There are so many things we can do um, to become more emotionally healthy. I believe that only complete healing comes through relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus is my healer. Time has not healed me. Time does not heal all wounds. Books have not healed me, though books are great. I have amazing friends, but my friends have not healed me. I've been to so many excellent counselors, but counselors have not healed me. Journaling and self-reflection are great. Pastors are great. Church can be great. My new husband is wonderful. And though Jesus has used all of those things to bring me healing, Jesus alone is my healer. Jesus wants each one of us to become whole. He wants each one of us to become the women he created us to be. Jesus wants to be your closest friend. Jesus wants you living free and whole and holy. So truth number six, I am loved. 1 John 4.19 says he first loved us. We come into this world already fully loved with nothing to prove to anyone. I say this every episode, but do you believe it? It's true. There's a chance you've never heard it. Perhaps you didn't know it, but God loves you. And if you have never heard this, if you've never entered into a relationship with him, you could, right now, you could become new right in this moment. The Bible says that each one of us has sinned, and because of our sin, there's a separation between us and God. But God lovingly and sacrificially sent his son Jesus to earth as a baby, but then to grow up to become our savior by taking on our sin and dying on the cross. And when he died on the cross for you, he killed your sin and paid our punishment. And we are now free to enter into a relationship, a friendship, a beautiful, sweet, precious companionship with God with Jesus, by accepting what he's done for us, by asking his forgiveness, by asking him to lead our lives and come and dwell within us. And today could be the time that you do this. So I'm going to pray over each one of you listening. And if any of these prayers sound like where you're at in your life, then join in with your heart. Jesus, I first start off by thanking you for your love for us, for each woman who is listening. I pray that you will open up her heart and her mind to you in a deeper way, no matter where she is on her spiritual journey. If she knows of you, Lord, but has never gotten into a relationship with you, and if you are tugging on her heart, and if she longs for that, then please pray after me, Jesus. I believe you. I believe you're real. I believe you died for me. I'm so sorry for everything that I've done. Please forgive me. I receive your gift of new life and salvation. Please enter into my heart. Please lead my life. And make me new. For the woman who is in a pain that's so deep she doesn't know how to get through, you can pray along with me. God, I'm exhausted, I'm broken, I'm confused, I'm sad, I'm worried, and I'm asking for your deep and complete healing physically emotionally spiritually relationally mentally please enter into my heart my mind my body my relationships my every circumstance and intervene you are my healer and i trust you and for those of you who are listening who just might be stuck or discouraged you can pray after me Jesus, I'm blah. It's winter in my soul, and I'm asking you for new. I'm asking you to make all things new. I'm asking for fresh starts, big and little fresh starts in every area of my life. You make new things, and you make all things new, and I'm asking for your newness, Jesus. Amen. Okay. First, if you prayed along with me to receive Christ as your Savior today, oh my word, I pray and just ask that you would let me know because I want to celebrate with you. Um, For each one of you, though, if I could, I would like come to your house and look you straight in the eye and I would call you by name and remind you or maybe even tell you for the first time. Please, please burn these things into your memory, and into your heart. No matter how you feel, you are not a failure, you are accepted. You are not unforgiven, you are forgiven and free. You are not unpursued, you are pursued intimately. You are not benched and done, you are gifted. You are not abandoned and alone, you are seen. You are not unloved. You are loved. And when you are beating yourself up, when someone else is being cruel to you, when you forget who you are, remember these truths. I will post a link in the show notes to a bunch of my resources. As always, if this episode or the All That to Say podcast in general has been meaningful to you, would you consider sharing it or subscribing to it, or rating it, or reviewing it, or financially supporting it. Any or all of those mean more to me than you know. And thank you to each one of you who has done any of those. So sweet ones, all that to say, you are the unconditionally accepted, forgiven, pursued, gifted, seen, and beloved daughter of God. And he is so delighted with you. You came into this world and you start each day already completely loved with no other loves to beg for and nothing to prove to anyone. Till next time, so, so much love.